How you doing? Uh, not doing well. Well, hopefully we can we can do something about that. That's on the useful side of things. So, uh, do you want to just read read the email that you you started out with? We'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, one second. All right, this is probably going to be a little hard. <clears throat> Okay. Dear Stefan Molyneux, I'm sick and tired of my misery. <sighs> I've been deluded for a long time. <sighs> I'm tired of pretending my parents are great parents. And I'm tired of pretending that I haven't... <clears throat> Sorry, this is a bit of a juicy... <laughs> Well, there'd be no point talking to me if you weren't passionate about it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> All right, from the top. <sighs> I'm sick and tired of my misery. I've been deluded for far too long. <sighs> I'm tired of pretending my parents were great parents. <clears throat> oh, God. I may need a second take on this. Hey, don't worry about it, man. Just keep going. Oh, damn. <laughs> From, oh, God. Oh, man. I'm... childhood to adolescence and now into adulthood <sighs> bear the demons <clears throat> this is this is really hard to read you know it's funny too and and i don't need to make light of the difficulties at all right but it's kind of funny how you know like you you've listened to a bunch of these call-in shows right yeah and for sure you know for the for the outside it's kind of funny, right? Because from the outside, usually what's happening is people are screaming the obvious at, at yeah. the callers. And, you know, sure. I, I, again, I don't mean to make life. You're very passionate about this, and it's it's a painful subject. But it is interesting that then when you're in the situation, and the same thing happens to me when I'm trying to figure out something about my own life, you know, and I'm talking to people, they're like, well, it's obvious from the outside. I'm like, mm, not from here. <laughs> Not from here. So, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I completely sympathize. I, I empathize. I understand. And, you know, listen, take take your time. Take your time. This is important stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been pent up pretty much my entire life, so it's a little hard to read. Well, if you want to okay. just talk about it, I mean, I'm happy to hear the reading, but if you want to just talk about it, that's fine. Too. Okay. Here we, are. here we go. Take three. All right. Once more. See if feeling. I no, I'm just kidding. You have feeling already. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, dear Stefan Molyneux, I'm sick and tired of my misery. I've been deleted for far too long. I'm tired. <clears throat> I'm tired of pretending my parents were great parents. I'm tired of pretending that I've enjoyed my time on Earth. <clears throat> From childhood to adolescence and now into adulthood, I bear the demon of self-hatred. <clears throat> it's an isolating and silencing force. <clears throat> With it, I cannot form any relations really <clears throat> cannot form any relationships, whether they be romantic, familial, or platonic. 
throughout my life, my standard operating procedure involving other people is other people don't want to hear my other people don't want to hear my thoughts, opinions, or emotions as you speak up. If you speak up, you'll just show everyone how shameful you are. The amount of times the amount of times in which I have enthusiastically pushed to share my ideas with other people where I where I inevitably stay silent cannot cannot be counted. There's so many times where I just couldn't bring myself to share what was on my mind. I'm sure most people took me as some disinterested walled off guy who wanted to be left alone left alone forever. I certainly couldn't blame them for gathering that opinion, though I wish things could have been different. The simple mechanics are, if you can't bring yourself to express interest in other people, then other people won't be interested in you. This has resulted in utter painful isolation. As shocking as it may be, I have often thought to myself, if I killed myself, I would garner a lot of attention. If I sustained massive injury to my body, people would pay attention to me, or I would be worthy of speaking. If I got caught in the middle of some large-scale criminal act, maybe others would ask me if I'm all right. Sometimes, uh, sometimes calamity feels like the only circumstances in which my thoughts become relevant. Uh, aside from those theoretical situations, I then believe that my, fe- uh, that my feelings and ideas are way too insignificant or even shameful to share with others. Thinking back through time, I can remember specific people who I believe who I believe could detect my state of misery. Those specific people being my English teacher during my so- during my sophomore and senior year of high school, a, li- a liberal co-worker of mine for my first job and the girlfriend of a classmate uh, the girlfriend of a classmate that I had when I was still in college uh, these people were sympathetic to me seemingly out of nowhere I have reason to believe that were that they were on to me so to speak thinking about it now <sighs> thinking about it now I'm touched <clears throat> touched by the concern that they offered <sighs> where is these Whereas these temporary passersby in my <clears throat> temporary passersby in my life seem to notice me and my discontent, my parents seem to have a lot less interested in getting to the bottom of things. <clears throat> Whenever my dad seemed to do a sliver of prying, which never meant asking direct questions, I consistently got the vibe of, oh, "Why are you such a loser? Just function like a normal human." Or I'm getting old, and I have a bunch of other stuff to deal with. So you're bothering me. Furthermore, the president was already set. That president being that he doesn't actually care about my real thoughts because they're either A, offensive to him personally, B, they're not outstanding in a positive way, or C, it highlights, it highlights a problem, and that's inconvenient. I hated this. It should go without saying... But I'll say it anyways. You can't... Excuse me. You can't teach a person that their genuine thoughts are inconvenient or unwanted and then expect them to tell you their vulnerabilities. 
I think I've only ever felt one and a half as true emotional connections to any of the members of my family. This includes any grandparents, aunts, uncles. Sorry, I just cousins. I just missed your phrase there. You said you've only felt what connection? I've only I've only felt one and a half ish. One and a half ish. Okay, I'm one I'm not sure what scale that is or what, what <laughs> we're measuring by. So if you could just, I want to make sure I follow what you're saying. So yeah, between one and a half and well, two true emotional connections. Jenny, my members of my family, this includes any grandparents. No, no, no. Uh, I understand that. But it's just like one and a half or two out of ten? Or is this one and a half or two oh, like no, solid no, relationships like a, or what? Like it's an absolute an absolute number. Like Okay. So those are like two. one and a half or two where you've act like relationships People. where you've had connection. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm following you, but yeah, please go on. No problem. Uh, this includes any grandparents on <laughs> Uncles, cousins, parents, brothers or sisters. <clears throat> the idea of being <clears throat> the idea of being open and enthusiastic with family members is shocking to me. Whenever I see a family out in public, <sighs> or simply hear a story where someone is casually hanging out with enjoying the company of whatever family member they have. It is strange to me. It seems so unknown. Lord Almighty, don't listen to my shows with my daughter. Whatever oh, you do, I have to point that out. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, God. It seems so unknown, but beautiful. Oh, God. <sighs> Hearing the stories you tell about your wife and daughters leave me awestruck. I'm so confused by how lovely it all sounds. The great majority of my family time has cons consisted of held tongues, spite, platitudes, social niceties, small talk, and non-consequential topics. <laughs> Admittedly, I've never told... Admittedly, I've never told anyone about these thoughts of mine and revealing the and revealing that the state of my misery laced life to the internet feels very counterintuitive to me. But yeah, okay, I can uh, get that for sure. Let, let whatever judgment come. I need wisdom. I need wisdom in order to stop the self hatred. Right. Oh man, I got a got a little bit left to go. For if I stop you know, I, myself, uh, I just wanted finally... to point out that I've I've seen like women give birth to twins uh, with le like and I get where you're coming from and I really again I'm with you brother like I appreciate the 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 trust and the openness and all that but yeah I mean there's a lot of pent up stuff here which you know I I do want to talk about and I'm really happy to accept oh, yeah. and I do feel really honored that that you've chosen to trust me with this so yeah please please <sighs> go on. <sighs> For if I stop hating myself, I can finally be expressive and genuine with those I meet. With those things, I can finally crawl out of the swamp of misery and isolation. Sincerely. Wow. And yeah, that's hey, it. Hey, you did it, man. Jesus, that was hard. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and and again, I'm I, I'm I'm giving you a little bit of a smile because it's you know, but 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 I'm I'm fully absorbing all the seriousness. Like I said, I want to give yeah. you that duality. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I, sure. and again, I just want to express like, I'm what an honorable thing to do, what a brave thing to do. And I, I hope that I'm worthy of your confidence. I, I hope that I am. I've, I've thought a lot about what you've said and, uh-huh. um, I will do my, you know, my absolute best and anything that I can do to help. I'm, I'm at your disposal. So, um, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for the trust. I really, really appreciate yeah. that. And, uh, I will. Yeah. Like I said, reading that was definitely very hard because it's basically a lifetime of well not saying not saying it to anyone yeah yeah for sure for sure so all right man how are you feeling now that you've read it and you've lived to tell the yeah tale. i i am still alive i still got a pulse i'm, I'm hanging in there uh no it's definitely definitely a hard thing to read like i said it's it's all pet up um but i definitely feel better reading it that's that's for certain well, and I mean, I, I can ask, I can tell you my thoughts initially, you know, whatever, whatever works best for you, do you think? Fire away, whatever you feel is most relevant. All right. All right. So I'll, I'll ask you what you want to do. You ask me what we want to do and we'll, we'll find something. <laughs> we'll find something. All right. I was really, I mean, struck by a lot of it. And listen, I hate to say that you're, you know, it's like that old line from the song, uh, seems I'm not alone in being alone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're not alone in this. I mean, I know it feels like you're alone in this, but you're not alone. Yeah. And you are, I believe, a deep soul among the shallow people. Yeah. It's crazy. Baby. It most certainly seems that way. And it's it's like it's like the it's like the biggest battle in the world. Yeah. It's between depth and shallow. It's just between apparently. meaning and frivolity, between passion and and almost like perfectionism between the little and the big, between the conceptual and the immediate. And that battle is something, it's, it's, not, it's not very well expressed and, and in society. It's not very deeply processed in society. And mm-hmm. it's a real shame. I mean, I think it really needs to be. But, yeah. you know, depth of feeling, depth of thought... Depth of intellect, depth of perception, of wisdom, of intuition, of insight, all of that is, it's like the war between the two-dimensional and the three-dimensional, between Mm -hmm. flatland and stuff that goes sometimes to the core of the very planet that we fucking live on. And so this battle between inconsequentiality and a desire to leave some kind of footprint on the planet in your passage, whew, Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a brutal battle, and you know it sounds like you've taken some pretty heavy blows in that in that battle. Because mm-hmm. there's a wrestle, right? You're with people, and you want to talk about about something, right? I'll, I'll give you a tiny example from from my life that just sort of popped into my head. Mm-hmm. So, a fr- this is many years ago. A friend of mine and I were uh, my friend we were with another guy who wasn't really a friend or whatever and his wife was coming over and she was uh, heavily religious Mm -hmm. and we didn't really know her but she was she was heavily religious and this is back when i was sort of more more cynical about religion uh, and in particular christianity and my friend was also an atheist and we made a couple of comments about christianity and my, my friend, whose wife was coming over, or our semi-friend, said, 
Hey, guys, guys, cool it with the rhetoric. And that's a phrase that just kind of really, really stuck within me. Mm. Cool it with the rhetoric. And you can see these kinds of phrases all over the place that are used to kind of, you know, like Lilliputian style. Yeah, just, just P, P just, on yeah, any... values of thought. Yeah, P, P on any value, uh, any thought that might be emerging from the darkness. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just like... Oh, yeah, no, there's a light. <laughs> we must put it out. Yeah, that will draw don't demons. Don't me. You're crazy. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend... Like, you're uh, just ranting. And, I, had a, you know. I had a Zoroastrian friend many years ago. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, Zoroastrianism. It's an interesting religion. I don't know a huge amount about it. But uh, uh -huh. you'd know it if you if you know Freddie Mercury. He was a Rastrian originally, <laughs> and uh, it's a sort of a Persian religion. And if I remember it rightly, and I'm sure I'll get this largely wrong, but it's something like this: that there's good and evil in the universe that are kind of evenly matched, and it's up to humanity to figure out who wins, like based upon your own virtuous actions, kind of thing. So, anyway, so but but there's you know some I wouldn't say superstition, but there's some. Uh, not so scientific thinking in it. And whenever I would express confidence, my friend would be like, oh, it, you'll, you'll bring off. the black eye upon you. <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. this eye of Sauron that scans the world, <laughs> constantly looking for confident people so that it can smash them and rend them limb from limb, Balrog style. Yeah. And, um, you know, like like with a ferocious glare, like, uh, you know, Greta Thunberg watching you fire up Humvee <laughs> or something like that, right? So... Uh, yeah. And that, you know, that kind of monitoring for any kind of depth or confidence or assertiveness or anything like that, because, I mean, a, a lot of people kind of walking around on this really fragile mental house of cards, you know, stuff that doesn't mm -hmm. hang together. It doesn't make any sense. And listen, it's fine. It's fine that people's <laughs> beliefs don't make any sense. I, I mean, that's fine. I mean, give them the freedom to do that. Yeah, yeah. But 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 don't pretend they do. Yeah. It's just that's yeah, that's absolutely. all. I, I just want honesty, right? If if people yeah, are like, no, it's, if people other other people can play pretend, but uh, yeah. I definitely have something to say. Yeah, like if people are like, uh, I don't know, some topic comes up politically or whatever, right? And yeah. and people are like, uh, if they just say, hey, hey, man, this topic makes me really anxious. Let's, like, I I can't handle it. Let's not talk about it, right? Uh, you know, or, but that's usually not what they say, right? Like if, if mm -hmm. you bring up, I don't know, some libertarian it's, argument for the, the, the free market handling poverty, yeah, they don't sit there and say, ah, you know, I mean, my grandmother's dependent on the welfare state or, or whatever. I don't like this topic. It makes me anxious. Uh, and mm -hmm. so what they say is, oh, you hate the poor. Or, you know, whatever it is, right? I mean, just, you, yeah, who's just gonna build the roads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just the kind of dishonesty that, that, because the difference between depth and shallowness is the difference between manipulation and, and honesty, right? Because people mm -hmm. who have depth, and trust me, I'll shut up in a sec because I know this is your convo, but I just, you know, you asked me my thoughts at the beginning, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think no that you're like, uh, yeah, you're like this whole World War One cavalry that's been charging into the machine gun fire of littleness. Yeah. And it's hell because you're constantly trying to make people deep or have some capacity for depth. And they're constantly trying to make you shallow. Yeah, just yeah, made made inconsequential and yeah. just sort of blown off as some I don't know random thought. Yeah, like 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 you, they don't speak Esperanto called meaning. Yeah. Right. And so every Fair, time yeah. you break into meaning, they're like, I, I don't speak Esperanto. And by the way, it's evil to speak Esperanto around here. I kind of think. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to like the the passion that that you have, and I, I think the reason why. I'm 
the guy you honored with your, you know, no, seriously, I mean honored, right? I mean, Jeff, yeah, the, yeah, I'm no, the guy no. you honored I, because, like, okay, you and I, I, I can do the shallow thing. Listen, I can, I can small talk with the best of them, not for too long, <laughs> you know, not for too long, yeah. but, but I can, I can do it, but it's not my preferred state of being, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what it's like. It's like a stress position. Yeah, you know, like I could do it, and you know, for the first. You know, a little while of a stress position, like, hey, yeah, this but is after easy. a while, you got to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can do it, and it's it's fine, but it's not really my it's not really my thing. It's not my my bag, right? So, mm-hmm. I just wanted to sort of point that out. And and listen, if if this doesn't is not the most important aspect or doesn't apply, you know, just tell me because it's your life, right? And and I'm mm-hmm. just. But when I got your email, I was sort of set to thinking about it, and I was set to thinking about. All of the times that I was in social situations or or dinner parties or whatever, and I like a good giggle fest at a dinner party. Many years ago, I used to do shows with listeners called Shits and Giggles, where we just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, and that so that stuff can be fine, and I have no problem with it at all. It can be a great break from depth, you know. There's nothing wrong, you know. Depth includes shallowness, like the the, the <laughs> a ten foot deep pool also includes the first foot of water, right? <laughs> That's fine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but when it's confined to that, you know, when it's just confined to that and you're punished for, for stepping out of line, so to speak, that's when things become, that's when it's no longer fun, but kind of a prison. And that's how I framed it in my head. And I guess, I mean, my, my first question is, how does that fit with your experience? And is it is it anywhere in the vicinity? Yeah, uh, I definitely have to agree with that. It's, it's basically a, a situation where stuff gets brought up and essentially you know blown off and shot down and uh kind of not really explained away basically explained away without argument and um it definitely came a lot for my uh, parents and uh, older siblings as well right so with regards to your parents because they they were in the very first sentence of your manifesto of of <laughs> of, of like let's get some depth in here yeah. What do you think with your parents? What, what was the story with them with regards to depth or honesty or meaning? And and why do you think, if this formulation is correct, they would be so opposed to it? Uh, I mean, I guess like I like I sort of mentioned in the uh, in my manifesto, um, like I sort of mentioned in the uh, email, uh, a lot of it seemed to come with um, they they didn't like. Uh, the stuff I had to say, and a lot of the stuff I had to say was was criticisms of, uh, I guess, either them or or um, of of my siblings, and so it was just sort of like an inconvenient thing from them for them, and uh, that yeah, okay, that, but sorry, uh, what was, just, sorry to interrupt. What were the beliefs that they held, or the perspectives that they held, which your perspective were inconvenient to? Uh, I suppose the perspective that they held was. Uh, well, I guess I remember my uh, I remember my uh, mom, you know, telling me a lot when I was little. I was like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, I don't know. I guess they were they were sort of I don't want to say hell bent, but they they were sort of you know really tied down to the idea of um, I guess everything has to appear perfect, and uh, complaining is what creates bad things rather ah, than complaining yeah, yeah, yeah. being an yeah. explanation. That's, that's why I was a, talking a about point. depth versus perfectionism, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, you said a bad word. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I, I broke the ice, man. That's fine. Um, yeah. 
Okay. So, so then, you know, and I, 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 I get that mentality. So then the next question for me is, what do you think predisposed them so strongly to needing that perfectionist look? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. And to be honest, I, 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 you, I don't really you know, feel like I know, know my parents all know, that well. You know, you know, you know. Yeah, it's it's to me. It's always I hate to say it, it's kind of cute when people say, "Well, I, I, you know, I can't. I've known these people for over twenty years, but I don't really know what makes them tick." It's like, yeah, you, do. <laughs> yeah, 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 I you do. I don't really. I don't think I know it predisposes them to to the shallowness, but yeah, but but you do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like I, no, I, no it's right. You do because right. I've been doing this for like 15 years, right? And and never yeah. ever. You know, when I've said that joke. people know something, never have as it turned out that they don't. Like you know, if you, if you don't know the population of Istanbul, yeah, I accept that. Uh, but you know, unless you're the city planner for Istanbul, in which case you probably do. But in my experience, and and now it's been an annoyingly consistent <laughs> number of experiences, right? Thousands of these combos. Mm -hmm. You do now. You may not know the details. Right. Like you may not know, like, I don't know exactly what happened to my mom during the war, but, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I've got some pretty good, pretty good ideas. So, again, you may not know the particular details, but you, you do know because you've been navigating this hostility to depth for decades and you don't have to be right about it in terms of like down to every last detail because mm -hmm. perfectionists won't tell you the truth much about anything because they don't want to look imperfect and the truth is usually imperfect and very messy uh, personal truths and so on i don't mean sort of yeah. crystalline abstract philosophical truths or mathematical proofs or anything like that but you know personal truths are often kind of messy and perfectionists won't often give you the truth so i'm not asking for that but in terms of why they're motivated for perfectionism yeah i'm sure you get that because you've seen like when you lift that cauldron lid, right? You see what's bubbling mm -hmm. underneath, right? Yeah, and well, I guess, I don't know if what you were maybe thinking I, I wasn't um, mentioning, but I, I, I guess a negative judgment from uh, outside people. I don't know if that's what you were getting at, but... Uh, Wait, are you trying that, to give me something that I want rather than your lived no, experience? No, 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 that I would was... be... That would I mean, be not that's, helpful. That, no, that's definitely that's definitely something that I that I think. I, uh, okay, I mean, so let's say let's say okay. From... let's okay let's let's do the role play then, right? Okay. Yep. So uh, who who's more censorious of you, your dad or your mom? Um, uh, my dad definitely. Okay. Okay. So uh, you be your dad. Uh, I'll be you, and I'm a dad. Oh wow! Here you go, man. This is this, <laughs> your your audition. <laughs> I'm 60 now. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. weird. Right. Okay. So you know when it's going to rain because your knees hurt or whatever, right? So, okay. So you're your dad, right? Let's just say you and I were sitting down some private place, like not a public place, some private place, just you and I. And I sit down and say, dad, ah, oh, man, I got to talk to you about, about some stuff from, from childhood and, and, and growing up and even my adulthood because I something happened you know maybe it's me maybe it's the family mates probably some combo of them but I've I've grown up real isolated and I, I don't feel like I could really have spontaneous conversations with people because I, I feel like I just got to stay in this tiny little box of topics or whatever and I kind of want to change that but I don't really know how and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it I gotta say honest I'm I, like I said, I've never really talked about that to him. Um, 
the topic with him. I'm not. I know. I don't, but pretend, feeling, pretend you're him. Pretend you're him. I have a, I have a feeling. It, uh, I'm kind of, it's 50-50. I think he might sort of break down emotionally. I think that might be a bit more you. I, I uh, empathy sort of runs in the family a, a little bit, but I guess it's. it's but if not he's more, if he's more censorious, but if he's more censorious, look, maybe you're yeah. right, right? But if he's more censorious, then he would probably try that as a strategy first. And, yeah. and what would that look like? Uh, I suppose it would be something along the along the lines of, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm sorry about what happened. Just, uh, I, I guess, go on. Keep, keep telling me about. Uh, Wait, weren't you the guy earlier who was telling me that your parents called you a loser? <laughs> so where, where's it, big it, soft not, daddy coming in here? They, <laughs> that was uh, that was that was sort of uh, assumed. Um, I, I, my parents have never uttered those words. Okay, got it, got it. All ever, right. So your dad might me, say, but, uh, "Like, go on and tell me more." He may get a little defensive. Okay, okay. So let's try that. So I would say, as you, right, just respond as as your dad would be, right. So I would say, I'm just curious, Dad. Have you noticed how unhappy I am? <sighs> You know, I kind of since we're bringing bringing this whole role play thing up, I got to say, I definitely, uh, I definitely feel compelled to uh, to I guess bring this question up to him. Um, I I kind of don't want to jump jump the gun. Uh, I I don't know. It's listen. There's a reason of, why you have, listen, hang on, hang on. There's a reason you haven't brought this question up to him because you're afraid of what he might say. So you, this is why you know, right? Because if we have not talked about something for some particular reason, we know generally what that reason is, right? So what yeah. are you afraid? Right, so, and the challenge is that, uh, in a sense, I'm publicly asking a perfectionist to, be, to look imperfect, so to speak, so it's, it's a challenge, right? But if you say to your father, have you noticed how unhappy I am at all? What, what's your worst fear of what he would say? No. Really? So let me ask you this, Dad. On a scale of 1 to 10, no, let's do a scale of minus 10 to plus 10, like unhappiness to happiness. Where do you think over the last couple of years I've been? Zero. Right. So in the middle, neutral, like neither it. unhappy nor happy? Yeah. Wow. And what has given you that impression? I mean, you came up with a number. I mean, but what has given you that that scale or where I am on that scale? Well, I, I guess it's never really brought up or talked about. I, I, I guess I just, I don't really know. Right. Why do you think, I mean, happiness is a pretty important topic, right? Why do you think it's not talked about? I... That's a good question. I um, 
I just, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't want to, want to bother you. I didn't want to try and be too much of a prodding helicopter parent. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this then, Dad. When was the last time that you can recall we had a conversation about something that was meaningful or, or, or important? Mm-hmm. <laughs> never, pretty much never. Never. Now, I'm not trying to make you into the full guy, but, you know, you are the parent, right? So you kind of set the tone, right? You set the boundaries or the limits of what we talk about. Why do you think we've never had a conversation that matters? <laughs> <laughs> because sports are too important. Because sports are important? Yeah. All right. Why do you think sports are so important <laughs> to the point where we can, for decade after decade? me stepping in there. I'm sorry? So that's, that's sort of me stepping in there rather than my dad. It's Okay, no, but what, a, what would he say? What would cynical. he say on the surface? What would he say on the surface? He, I mean, he, he might make that joke or whatever, but because sports I, I matter and you don't. Joke, or whatever. He, would, he probably wouldn't make that joke. Okay, what would he say then if I said, why have we never had an important conversation? I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to annoy you or, uh, yeah, basically I, would, I wouldn't want to annoy, annoy you and end up with more kids like, end up with more kids like the first son. What do you mean? Well, as you know, you're... As you know, your oldest brother's sort of a, a fuck-up. Sort of more or less rock rock bottom and I feel I feel as though if I try and prod around I'll, I'll end up with more of more of him oh like shaky house of cards and you start poking at the walls and the whole damn ceiling comes down right yeah now with regards sorry just to jump out of the role play could you just give me the uh the 411 on your brother. I'm sure it's lengthy, but if you could give me a yeah. down. Well, um, yeah, basically with my oldest brother, he's about, I guess, seven or eight years older than, than I am. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely my, I definitely looked up, up to him when I was, you know, probably in the third grade range and that, yeah, yeah. Um, but he basically uh, kind of went down the the hole of went down the the dark hole of kind of just drug use and hedonism, and can't really. Uh, he's sort of had some bouts of mental illness and can't really uh, sustain himself, and still lives at home, and. Oh my is God. And that's, kind of I mean, that's, that's rough no matter what, but I mean, so your mom and your dad are kind of facing in a sense, the fruits of their parenting, like on a daily basis, kind of 
glaring at them unshaven across the kitchen table. Right? <laughs> yeah, and they it's just sort of a ignored at this point situation. I'm not super privy to the details after everything sort of went south, but um, it's kind of like they've just given up at this point. And yeah, they, they live with them and, and they, just, don't, yeah. they don't have a healthy relationship whatsoever. So with, with him, right? Yes. Well, shit, that's a little tough on the old perfectionist thing, right? <laughs> a little, it little is. tough to play the perfectionist thing when you got your eldest son living at home. <laughs> yeah. The, the emperor has no clothes, as they say. Wow. That's, that's, and, he's, you know, I, I'm sorry to be, be blunt about this, but I'm, <laughs> I really am. Like, I, I, mean, I prefer this is, blunt. I yeah, prefer this is, bluntness over. This is a great, uh, this is a great agony. And, and I, you know, but, but do you think, I mean, is, is, is he fried? Like, I mean, cause, cause this is the thing too, like people do a lot of drugs and it's kind of like that Sid Barrett thing. Like Sid Barrett was the original founder, I think of, of Pink Floyd. Sorry, this is like probably paleolithic to you but um (laughs) and he did a lot of drugs in the 60s and he just fried his brain and he ended up living with his mom till he died and do you think i mean if it's drug use um and and you know neither of us are doctors right so we don't know right but Uh do you think that uh it's it's like well you know one one drug trip too many and and you don't come home again yeah he's he seems uh pretty emotionally disconnected and definitely sort of uh, nihilistic and kind of worn out and doesn't really think about important things ever. Just sort of focus on things that don't really matter. And yeah, he definitely doesn't seem 100% there emotionally. What does he focus on? Uh, Kind of just pointless stuff. I, I don't, in the in the last three years, I, I don't really socialize them with socialize with them a whole lot. But uh, whenever I've been around them, he just it's just sort of uh, really shallow topics. Just um, I don't know, basically small talk, uh, kind of just situational stuff, kind of like a you know, like a funny thing happened at the grocery store yesterday, kind of thing. Yeah, and you know, talking about the weather. Uh, basically topics of that caliber, nothing that really matters, um, particularly given of how, um, how, how shitty his life is. Is he, uh, kind of in his thirties? I, I believe he actually is 30. Uh, I'm not certain though. Like, like I said, I'm not super close. No, I oh, no, I get that. I get that. Right. Any more, any more anyways. I, when you were younger, it was better? Yeah. Now, I mean, your parents, I mean, they're paying his bills. I mean, does he does he work? I mean, how, how does that play out? <laughs> as far as I know, it's kind of a, basically doing odd jobs and going through, um, you know, various periods of unemployment. Um, but uh, I'm not super familiar with it. My parents definitely don't like to talk about it. Right. Wow, that's a hell of an elephant in the living room, almost literally, right? Yeah, yeah, it's that's definitely the it's uh, definitely what I think whenever whenever I'm around around them both. Okay, all right. So I've got that. I've got that. Now let me 
if we can just, we don't have to do it for too long because I get it's kind of like holding your head underwater here. But uh, <laughs> if we can sort of jump back into the role play for a second. Oh, fuck. Hey, role play. <laughs> I know. I know. I appreciate it. I just, I just need to mine a little bit more of your discomfort, not for my yep. own pleasure, but, you know, I think it's yeah, important. Yeah, to, to figure out okay. so solution. If you would, so your dad's, he's got a, like everybody's got a thesis and, and usually it's a bunch. There's a thesis of, of life. You know, how does life work? How do you get what you want? What do you do in life? Like, what's the thesis, right? Now, your dad may have, it sounds like he does, he's got a thesis, which is, well, shit, if I start unraveling this fabric, the whole, the whole shitstorm comes down, right? And so I have to stay shallow because depth is going to destroy even the vague semblance of stability within the family. I, I, I may be exaggerating, but is it something like that? Yes, okay. I, uh, I agree with that. All right. So then the question that I would ask, and please understand, this is in the fantasy scenario where I'm you with infinite courage, right? Because if I'm asking my own family, my, I, my brain gets as staticky as yours does. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, it's easy for me to cross-pollinate to your family. It's not my family, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But the question that I would ask is something like this. So, Dad, do you think it was an excess or too much meaningful talk that made my brother who he is? Um, well, I guess when you, when you come around raising your kids, you can, you can, uh, do what you want. Um, but I'm not gonna, essentially he would just blow up, blow off that question. And I would say, Criticism listen, I, I, no, listen, I appreciate that. But I mean, you're saying you don't want deep conversations because, you know, they, they lead to your brother or something like that. And so like, that's a, that's a hypothesis. That's a conjecture, right? Which is, boy, if you have too many deep conversations, you're just going to become like this burnt out drug addict staring at the paint drying on the broken down sofa in the basement or something, right? So if that's, if that's the argument, because that's important for me to know, like I, I want to have deep conversations, but if they lead down the path of dear brother, then I don't, right? So was it that when he was younger, you and mom and, and him, like before I was really old, enough to process it or maybe after when I went to when I went to bed early or whatever did you and mom and my brother have these deep conversations and do you think that led to to where he is now you know I don't know I I don't know what or where uh, we went wrong with him or if it was entirely his fault uh, but I don't I don't know what went wrong. Well, I'm, and I appreciate that, and and it's a it's a question that tortures me, like as well now, and I would almost give like my eye teeth to know the answer to that, as I'm sure you would too. But you said with me, like you couldn't remember the last time we'd had a meaningful conversation. Was that the case with my brother as well? You know, I really don't know how the relationship was before uh, things went south. I don't even, I don't know how to well, role play that answer. I can tell you how answer. it was before, which is it's pretty much the same as it was with you. <laughs> uh... Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm no psychologist, obviously, right? But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that deep and meaningful conversations do not lead to drug addiction.
Are we still do are we still doing the role playing thing? You want me to give um, a dad answer? Your choice. If you wanna if you wanna come I, up for air, that's fine, that's fine with me too. All yeah, all this role playing makes me want to do is ask these questions. I, I don't oh, even you wanna, mean for real? Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. wanna I don't even wanna think about an answer. I just wanna hear the real answer. But uh yeah, I I guess I'll, we can we can step out of the role playing. Okay, but you know I'm deep and meaningful conversations don't lead to drug addiction. I mean I don't I, kind of, I I think I mean I think in many ways it's quite the opposite. Yeah, it's quite a, the opposite. a fulfilling life doesn't lead to trying to fill voids with you know <laughs> drugs and the yeah. So listen, I mean I I've never I, garbage. I've never tried drugs myself, yeah. and so I, I don't know. But my guess is something like this, Josh, which is, what do drugs provide? They provide people a sense of depth and richness, right? So you listen to people, oh, man, one, one hit of peyote is like 20 years of therapy in, in one day or whatever it is, right? Like, it provides them a sort of deep and rich and meaningful sense of, of depth. Now to human beings who have love and intimacy in their lives, that's called human connection. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we're social animals. And in many ways, we can only be as deep and have as much meaning as those in our lives permit us to. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't... The, the, the bottom of the sea is the shallowness of the people around us. Mm -hmm. And if you've got like two-inch people around you, you can't go five fathoms deep, right? And I think that people get tired uh, or exhausted or almost debilitated from that shallowness, and they don't know how to get that rich and deep connection, so I think they pursue it through, uh, through drugs. And drugs, of course, also are a way to make, it's like alcohol, it's a way to make other people seem more interesting than they are. Mm -hmm. And it's a way mm -hmm. of thinking that you're getting insight you know, like there's all of this kind of cliche of, you know, the people who are on drugs saying, yeah, you know, the solar system is like an atom. And what if we were like an atom in a couch in a larger universe and we're living on an electron and like all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's just a bunch of fake <laughs> fake insight. Oh, yeah. Like I, I had a friend uh, many years ago who would uh, get, get stoned with people at parties. This wasn't parties I went to. And he would play a hilarious game called Find My Foot, you know, and, and everybody would kind of laugh. What, and, what, was, what was the game? It's called Find My Foot, you know, where he would pretend. You ever see those videos of like the dogs who think that their, their back leg is trying to take their food and they growl at it or whatever? Yeah. So, you know, he would play this game like Find My Foot and his foot would be something alien or really you know of its own and it would be funny right i mean or he'd do it mm -hmm. with his hand or whatever but of course if you're not stoned that's not that funny right <laughs> yeah so it's just a way of it's just uh, sort of retarded <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if if i had said to you after your your very passionate manifesto hey man let's turn on the video and play find my foot you'd be like uh, <laughs> could we could we not do that would that would that be possible would that be all right yeah. so so that reality that I think people dive into drugs because we run out of oxygen in the shallows, you know? Mm -hmm. We run out of oxygen in the shallows. And I think then people try and get depth through drugs. That's something uh, uh, about it. And 
And, and if that is the case, then, you know, your, your brother's lack of meaningful conversations may, may have had something to do with why he ended up in this situation. And it also may be a way out. I mean, who knows, right? But, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's where, I mean, that, that would be sort of my, my first instinct or, or place to go. But if you have a thesis or if your father has a thesis that uh, meaning leads to destruction, meaning is death. Mm-hmm. Well, right. That's, that's a very powerful thing to grow up around, right? Because you're starving. It's like you're starving, but the only food that's around will kill you. Mm-hmm. You're starving for death, but death is death, right? Oh, Yeah. Definitely say it's it's definitely like being very hungry, and the only thing to eat is food that makes you even more hungrier. Yeah, that's the Gabor Mate thing, you know, in the realm of hungry ghosts, the ghost that, uh-huh. that gets hungrier the more it eats, and so on. And that's, <laughs> and, and I think that's that's some of the real passion that you had at the beginning, right? Which is, uh-huh. holy shit, do I actually get to have a bite of food that's somewhat nutritious? Dear God, <laughs> it's only been twenty three years. Right? <laughs> 22 years 22 years yeah <laughs> that's a long time to be hungry yeah indeed it is right how are you feeling as we are talking uh it's uh i definitely enjoyed talking to you and um i think you definitely provide some good insights um but like i said about my brother i definitely don't know a whole lot about his his origins so to speak um but the whole trying to satiate uh, an, an unsatisfying life with with drugs and I don't know general degeneracy that I definitely think you're you're on to something um, and I definitely I definitely feel compelled now more than ever than to I, I got an older sister and I definitely she was I mean she's only like a, a year older than he is and I I'll definitely or I'll be seeing her soon and I definitely gotta I want to try and do some digging on that no, yeah, no, that's great. I, I think the, it's I think it's family a excavation solid, is uh, yeah, family excavation is is really important. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Now you got to be skeptical of what people say because a lot of self yeah. stuff in there, but it's yeah, really, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know of anything else that may have happened that would have some explanatory power with regards to your brother, like anything negative or? abusive or destructive yeah no that's that's the big thing i'm wondering and you know uh, there's this story about johnny cash i think it's more than a story it's a fact right yeah the the singer right i mean his Mm -hmm. his brother uh when he his brother was 15 was going to be a preacher and his brother basically fell into a running table saw and was split almost in half but took a week to die jesus yeah you know and and the dad was like oh i I, you know god took the wrong son (laughs) You know, so the guy ends, you know, Johnny Cash ends up like a pill pusher and, you know, the reports that he had a um, an affair with his pregnant wife's girlfriend and, you know, just that kind, uh, of, that kind of stuff, right? And, yeah. and he cleaned up a bit and he was clean for seven years and then he went back into, I think it was amphetamines or whatever it is, which is kind of like a curse of the performer, right? I mean, you got to be out mm-hmm. of the show and then all that kind of stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, that's, that doesn't explain the whole deal behind him, but pretty powerful thing to, you know, like my father wishes that I had died in the place of my brother. Well, that's going to 
that's going to leave us a mark. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, yeah, that's, that's yeah, kind that'll, of a hoofprint on, on the soul, right? That'll, that'll stay with them forever. <laughs> right, right. So any missing kids? No, I mean, do, do, do you know of anything <laughs> we, that may have happened in the past that, I mean, maybe not at that level, of course, but, but anything that would be really difficult or traumatic? Yeah, no, no, it's just funny that you mentioned the whole, like, you know, missing kid or, you know, a sibling that dies because we actually joked about that when we were really little or he joked about that with us when we were little. Um, But I don't I think it was probably just a joke. But I've definitely wondered if uh, there's anything that uh, took place that was um, if there's anything that took place uh, with them that was extremely traumatic. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely been on my mind the last yeah, there's a, a play, Long Day's Journey Into Night, where the playwright put himself in the play but gave himself the name of the son who died. And, um, I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm here by fortune in a way because um, there was a baby between, well, there was a baby before me uh, that didn't make uh-huh. it. And uh, so they, they went again. And uh, that, that's me standing on the grave of, you know, someone I never even knew, but um, (laughs) much to the benefit of mankind. (laughs) I, I like to think so. so. Um, It's, it's not a sacrifice anyone should have to make, but uh, um, so, okay. So you don't know of anything like that, but this fear of criticism, right? This fear of being perceived as imperfect. Uh It's kind of like if that fear of being perceived as imperfect has led to this strangling of authenticity and honesty, then it's almost like the fear of being perceived as imperfect has produced such an imperfect family that you can't miss it. If that it's one of these terrible Mm -hmm. self-fulfilling, we never want to look bad, so we can't ever be honest. So it's like trying trying to hide something that's terrible and everyone else are (laughs) everyone else around you with, you know, good perception can tell that you're trying to hide something. And so it's all just sort of pointless. Right. So, so that, I mean, that means that the, the terror of disapproval or the terror of appearing imperfect is so strong that it's, it's almost like this Aztec God that you sacrifice your kids. Yeah. Yeah. So where does that come from? Do you think, do you know much about your parents' histories, childhoods? I sort of know the basics, but, um, as far as anything that compels them to hide any sort of <laughs> perceived imperfection, um, I'm not certain where that comes from. Uh, I think, I believe my mom, you know, came from a fairly stable home, but again, I, it's, it's all, you know, a fairly shallow understanding. They definitely never gone in depth about it. And I don't really have a relationship or have ever had a relationship with like any of my grandparents. And then, uh, my father, it's, I mean, they, they both came from, um, wait, you don't know your grandparents much at all. Personally. No, I, it's just sort of, <laughs> I don't know how whenever, you know them whenever we've been, <laughs> whenever we've, it's basically whenever I've been around them, it's just, you know, Hey, here's the grandkids. <laughs> Give them a hug. All right. That's, that's good. It's, I don't know. It's all pretty vapid nonsense. Right. So, I mean, they have their own, right, mask of normalcy, right? I mean, which they get from their parents and trying to pass it down to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, I wanted to mention at, at this point something I've talked about years ago 
in the show, but it's this this question of the false self versus the true self. And uh, obviously, I'm far from the first person to come up with the concept, but the way that I uh-huh. sort of explain it, I think, is is important in this situation. So the true self is the empirical self. The true self is the self that connects with reality rather than social norms, so to speak. And listen, that could be very good social norms, like don't kill. Yeah, I'm don't steal. I'm I'm down. Yeah. Like I'm I'm good with that. That's that's all very very wonderful to have. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are very few of us who want to become cat burglars and murderers, right? So it's yeah. that, those aren't the social norms that I'm talking about. I mean, sort of the the social norms of what is acceptable discourse and what is allowed and what is not allowed, and this, that, and the other, right? Yeah. Now, the true self. If if your social norms are close to reality then there's not much of a gap between the false self and the true self because the true self is connected to reality and the false self is created by punishment for deviation from social norms. It's like scar tissue or like a mask you have to wear. Mm -hmm. And so we can't ever completely get rid of the true self because we have to deal with reality. And... You know, like like uh, my mom used to want me to go and pick her up cigarettes, right? And I didn't like it because I didn't like her smoking. I didn't mm-hmm. like there being smoke in the little apartment. I just didn't like it, right? So I wouldn't want to go, right? So, I mean, she would try and sort of manipulate or bully or threaten. And, and sometimes I'd cave and, and sometimes I wouldn't. And, you know, if I didn't and she wanted her cigarettes, she would go to the store to get cigarettes, right? So she could try and manipulate me into going to get them. But if that didn't work... She would just go and get them anyways go, right? and... Right. So, so the manipulation was kind of like the false self thing, which is, can I get someone else to do it? Or can I, you know, use this manipulation to get what I want? And if that mm-hmm. fails, you're like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll put on my jacket and I'll go and get the, go and get some cigarettes from the store. Right? Mm-hmm. And where manipulation fails, which for men in general, it kind of does, right? Because uh, we, a little we bit stronger to, willed. Well, yeah, and and also, I mean, we don't have, you know, most of us don't have that sort of satanic, supernatural sex appeal to, you know, just snap your fingers and and get uh, get what we want because men, you know, want to sleep with us or whatever, right? So, mm-hmm. so the false self is what it's the scar tissue that gets created when you deviate from social norms that cause other people anxiety. Now, again, social norms to me are fine, but it's a social norms. Social norms can be explained to children in a way that makes sense, right? Right. So, I mean, the typical example is kid goes up to someone who's fat, like a little kid goes up to someone who's fat and says, hello, <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. What, what does the kid say? Like little kids sometimes will go up to a fat person and say, why are you what? so big? Yeah, why are you so big, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, if the parent experiences crippling shame and anxiety when the child goes up and says, why are you so fat or why are you so big, what will uh, the parent do? They will provide negative reinforcement, or not negative reinforcement, they will, uh, um, I'm kind of blanking on the word, I don't know, I guess scorn them probably. They'll punish them. Tell them. Tell them not to do that and grab them by the wrist. No, what would the mom do? Let's say it's the mom, right? And the uh, kid goes up and says, why are you so fat to some fat man or woman? 
what would she the did. mom do if she feels a real rush of anxiety and shame and anger and helplessness? I suppose she would pull the child aside and I guess also probably uh, apologize to the to the fat person. Right. Yeah, that, that would be a reasonable thing to do. But um, if she's in the grip of that kind of triggered thing, uh-huh. she'll tend to lash out. Yeah. You know, that's so incredibly rude. That's so incredibly inappropriate. I can't believe you did that and blah, 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 right? Yes. Like yes. she will shame the child as a way of making sure the child, and it's not about following social rules. That's what the child so following social rules can be fine. It doesn't necessarily provoke a false self. The false self is created, I believe, when the child is attacked way out of proportion to a misdeed, right? Mm-hmm. And is, is shamed, and, and the rules are in, inflicted on the child based upon the parent's anxiety rather than a rational, empathetic, or social explanation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely does. It's basically, uh, I'm go- I'm going to teach you for embarrassing me. Yeah, I'm going to punish you. Try and, yeah. Rather, rather than try and teach you, I don't know. I guess some some virtue of some sort. Yeah, I'm going to punish you for embarrassing me and and making me feel terrible, rather than you know, hey, there's some social rules or whatever, right? Because yeah. for the child, of course, it's enormously confusing because the oh, yeah. child is told repeatedly it's very important to tell the truth. Yeah. And, you know, guess what? The person is fat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm stating a truthful and honest fact. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I said earlier in the uh, conversation, I, there's, there's one phrase that I remember from childhood is, is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say, don't say it at all. Yeah. I was always slightly more partial. I don't know if you heard the Dorothy Parker quote where she says, if you've got nothing nice to say about anyone, you sit right down here by me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, so, so, so that is if you've got nothing nice to say about anyone, then <laughs> don't say anything at all. That yeah. is a social rule designed to minimize conflict because conflict might provoke anxiety, particularly among the women. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, when you are shamed, and and here's the thing too. You go up to a, a fat person. You say you're fat, and your mom punishes you based upon her feelings. That's even that's not what creates the false self. What creates the false self is the story about it. Right? So if your mom says to you, listen, I get really anxious when you go up and tell the truth about a fat person to a fat person. I feel I feel like I've got I feel that the ground is gonna swallow me up. I feel incredibly anxious. If you could please not do that. I'll work on my anxiety, but if you could please not do that because it makes me feel so terrible, I would really appreciate that. Well, that's an honest statement, right? Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. That's not what that's, happens. That, yeah, that is, that is absolutely not what happens and <laughs> probably pretty much never happens. Right. So what happens, well, you tell me what happens instead of... <laughs> I would get hit in the hand with a wooden spoon. No, really, would you? <laughs> yeah, no, that happened to me when I was little. Right. Right. That was one that was one form of punishment. And you get told as a child not hey, I know I told you to tell the truth, 
But when you tell the truth to a fat person about being fat, I feel absolutely terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm not proud of it. It's just the way that I am. And until I solve it, if you could please not do that, I would just be eternally grateful. But that's an honest statement, right? But that's not what parents do in general. Mm-hmm. Well, teachers, for that matter, what what they do is they say that was incredibly rude, incredibly inappropriate. You got to march right up to that woman. You got to apologize for upsetting her. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's so much that's logically wrong about all of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, first of all, <laughs> the obvious one, which is, wait a minute, if upsetting people is so bad, why are you shaming me? Uh huh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because. You're ma- you're making me upset by yeah. Ridiculing you me. kind of upset people. It's really bad. You bad yeah. child who's now upset by what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely the the idea of like, oh, you should tell the truth, like, oh, but don't not this say truth that, and like, not this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. If like you should tell the truth, that idea cannot coexist with like, hey, don't say that. You know, don't say whatever you just said because it's because it's mean. Right, right, and and I've, we know the reality with with authority and the truth is that when <laughs> when when truth benefits the authority, truth is a virtue. When truth, I talked about it in RTR many years ago. But when when truth benefits authority, then truth is a virtue. When uh-huh. truth shames authority, then truth is disloyalty and truth is inappropriate. And I mean, we all know this this like garbage, yes. right? <laughs> so yeah. the false self is created based on a lie, because the lie is that the child is bad, morally bad, for breaking, sorry, the child is morally bad for following a rule they were told to follow, tell the truth. Now listen, Mm -hmm. I can perfectly understand that you sit down with a child, you know, and and if someone's fat, you can have an interesting conversation with them about whether it's a good thing to tell them that or not, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and and you can say, listen, if you have a question about obesity, we can we can talk about it. I can, you know, explain to you how how it happens and so on. Uh, and it is, you know, it's important to know how your words are going to land on people. And you know, obviously, mm-hmm. people who are fat know that they're fat and they don't like it usually, and they feel bad about it. And so you can have a whole conversation about it that can yeah. make your child sensitive to these kinds of things in a positive and productive way. Or you can scorn them, and then they just learn that their thoughts don't matter. Their thoughts are shameful. Well, they, they, they are being punished for the honesty yes. that is demanded of them. That it's wrong to hurt people's feelings, so you will shame the child for following the moral rule called honesty, right? And the other thing, too, is that the, 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 um, there is a, an old saying from the business world. It's specific to project management, and it goes like this. Your fail, uh, the failure to plan on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Mm-hmm. Right, and we think well now what that means, right? So if you're going to take your toddler out into public, right? What you say is, well, there'll be people of different sizes, there will be people of different colors, there'll be people of different hairstyles, and and there'll be people who look strange, and there'll be people who mm-hmm. are missing teeth, and there'll be people with big giant pimples <laughs> on their noses, and then you you, you tell uh, them that, right? And you say, yeah. you know, generally. In society, we don't really talk about these things that much. I'm happy to have you talk about them with me in the car, but, you know, generally it's not particularly positive and, you know, to go up and say to a fat person, hey, you're fat. Like, you just, you talk about these things with your kid Mm -hmm. ahead of time, right? Yeah, no, that's definitely one thing that's really, like, pissed me off about, like, scolding children. It's just like, well, they, they sort of have to learn everything, so expecting them to be aware of, you know, whatever the topic is, is... It's just, I hate that. Right, 
right, right. And and they say, be honest. And then they override the child's honesty, not just in these particular instances, right? But, you know, the, the sort of traditional silly example of the, you know, the grandmother or the great aunt who smells like mothballs and has bad breath and the kid doesn't <laughs> want to go up and kiss her because, you know, she, she's like an old football with whiskers or something. And and the mom, you know, the dad, usually the mom, will say, you know, go kiss your great aunt. And the kid says, well, I don't want to, right? Yeah. And and that's an honest statement, right? Mm-hmm. And then the child is told, you have to. It's wrong to not go kiss your great aunt, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because at the same time, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to succumb to peer pressure as a child, right? Yes. Right. So don't don't you dare let your peers influence what you do or override your integrity and your moral autonomy and blah, 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 all the lectures that teenagers get. But of mm-hmm. course, if teenagers have spent the last 15 years being shamed because the parents are susceptible to negative peer pressure, mm-hmm. well, then they're not really going to listen, right? Yes. And maybe that also had something to do with, with your brother, right? Why Why your parents had so little moral authority with him that he went off on this hedonistic path and, and succumbed mm-hmm. to peer pressure and, and all of this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So this false self is 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 really uh, important to understand. Now, when I was younger, and, you know, now that I'm, you know, past the half century, I can, you know, God help me, I'm mellowing out a little, right? But mm-hmm. when I was younger, it made me much more angry. Now, I just, like, everyone's just caught up in this machinery, right? Everyone's just caught up in this machinery, uh, of of shame and embarrassment and bullying and so on, right? And another thing too is that you know children are told don't bully, right? But then they're shamed for following the moral rules they were told to follow, right? So mm-hmm. that's all very confusing for kids as well, and and frustrating and annoying. But everyone's just kind of caught up in this big giant machinery that spits out a lot of broken people. And <sighs> there is, I was really struck by your the description of your brother about his hedonism, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is real hedonism in bullying a child because you feel anxious. I I feel bad. And that immediately gets translated into, it's your fault, little kid. And then you take out your rage on that little kid. Yeah, it's it's really... Transfer the discomfort to someone else. Yeah, yeah. And and this... He didn't like we often hedonism is oh you know he 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 did coca and and had an orgy <laughs> and and yeah you know, I guess there is that aspect of hedonism but yeah hedonism to me also is I feel anxious I'm bullying a child so the child never does it again and claiming that I'm being a moral good responsible parent right mm-hmm. that's hedonistic because instead yeah. of dealing with your yeah, negative feelings you're just going to punish your kid for provoking them right yes so yeah, the idea just, that, just sorry, avoiding negative feelings and yeah that's i say that's pretty well acquainted with hedonism right so uh, if avoiding your parents, pain yeah if your parents have this hedonism with regards to their own negative feelings the fact that your brother ended up being hedonistic is not entirely shocking if that makes sense uh-huh. yeah it's uh hearing it laid out like that uh, is um like I said, I definitely think it can be categorized as hedonism. It's just a, avoiding avoiding pain. There's not really any uh, virtue or any sort of uh, principle. Yeah, it, it is as hedonistic to avoid essential discomfort as it is to... Do drugs. Yeah, to pursue uh, unnecessary pleasures, right? So, yeah. Or unearned pleasures. 
So, okay. Well, so, I mean, I've, I've talked a lot and I'm aware of that. So I wanted mm -hmm. to sort of check in with you and, and let me know what you're thinking and feeling about what we're talking about or what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I guess first things first, after reading off that uh, first email, that's, uh, that was really hard. And I, <laughs> I gotta say, I definitely, I definitely feel, uh, I feel like I could do something pretty important now. That was, I tell you what, that was, that was really, really, really hard to read. And, uh, uh, I feel like I have a lot more willpower, but, um, also what I mentioned in the, uh, email was sort of this, uh, uh, self-hatred and, um, like I said, I definitely feel great after reading off that email, but, um, I'm not certain if, um, what has been mentioned so far will sort of dispel that feeling. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. So tell me what is the language behind the self-hatred, right? Cause we, we tell ourselves stuff and then we usually end up with those particular emotions. So well, what is it that you're telling yourself or what language is around you? Do you think that might be producing that feeling? Well, a lot of times, I guess the the language that's sort of bouncing around in my head is just, well, I guess it's just sort of a dark feeling of uh, shame. And um, basically, no one's going to, no one's going to think what uh, you have to say is interesting. So just don't, <laughs> don't share the things in your head because, yeah, they're, they're, they're just going to lead to people being less inclined to uh, liking you. Right. So you have to be someone fundamentally other than who you are in order to be liked. <laughs> it mostly just manifests the silence, I think. No, no, no. I'm just talking about the internal process, right? Uh, so yeah, the internal, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not even like you have to be someone other than who you are. It's like you have mm -hmm. to be the opposite of who you are, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So that's the torture, right? The torture is I want connection, but connection pushes people away. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just sort of a omnipresent feeling of shame, I guess. But shame for what? That's the question, right? Shame for what? Shame of what? Yeah, that that definitely is a question. Um. <clears throat> I think, hold on, I need, a, I need to get a swig of water here. <clears throat> okay, well, uh, where I believe a lot of the um, shame, the feeling of shame comes from and the uh, feeling of self-hatred, I believe a lot of that comes from, you know, obviously comes from childhood, but anyways, I had a, I have another brother who is uh, also older than me, probably you know, three years older than me. And um, <clears throat> uh, basically, I pretty much don't have any uh, positive memories of him. He's... <clears throat> He's pretty much just been a ginormous asshole his entire life to me and like I said no no positive memories at all and asshole how <laughs> it's essentially just a, a giant bully and it's like a TC bully or a sort of mental torture bully or a physical bully or what uh physical and 
coerced. I mean, it, it starts off physical, and then and then you learn to uh, not push the boundaries. But uh, definitely physical and coercive. Right. I'm sorry about that. I'm really sorry about that. And your parents knew about all of this? Yeah, yeah, they would. <laughs> they would have to be blind, deaf, and retarded not to notice it. And what was their response? <clears throat> A lot of times, it definitely sort of came off as some sort of uh, moral equivalence, and. Uh, you mean like, uh, I don't care who started it, just stop it? Yeah, that sort of bullshit. A lot of moral equivalence, and whenever it was sort of after the fact and I would bring it up, it's just sort of, you know, quit bashing your brother. And uh, any, any other way you can phrase a stupid platitude like that. Yeah. And uh, how long did this go on for? Huh. Assuming it stopped. Yeah, yeah, no, I've pretty much once I moved out of the house, it's three years ago, it's basically, you know, nothing. No contact, just pretty much try to avoid, avoid them. But it's, it's essentially something that occurred all, all through uh, childhood and yeah, I guess basically up until I was, you know, nineteen, eighteen. Right. So huh, nineteen eighteen—that's when World War One ended. But anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was essentially uh, it, it was essentially pretty much from the the time I can remember being al <laughs> first being alive and all the way till the time I just was out of proximity from him. Do you have any theories as to why he did it? Uh, what I sus just something that I've thought, what I suspect is, uh, cause I've, I've heard a few, I've, I've, uh, remember my older siblings just sort of mentioning, you know, like, Oh, we, he used to got, used to get teased a lot and used to get, uh, bullied a lot. And we were sort of hard at him, hard on him, um, you know, for whatever. Uh, so I suspect it was just sort of a, you know, a shit rolls downhill sort of situation where it's just like, oh, someone else, someone else made me feel bad, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna make someone. That's a terrible theory. Make someone else feel bad. Yeah, no, I mean, with all due respect to, to your considerable pain, I mean, that's that's mental and physical torture that, that was your entire childhood, and, and I'm not at all, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this out of a position of respect for you. Yeah. Because if you have a thesis that shit rolls downhill, why didn't you become a bully to kids younger than you? You say, oh, well, I was a little kid. It's like, no, there were lots of other kids in the neighborhood, lots of other kids <laughs> at school who were smaller. Why didn't you do it? If the thesis is shit rolls downhill, you could have beaten, you could have been a bully or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which I suppose there's probably only a few instances in, in which I was, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. No, that's good. No, that's good. I don't, no, know, that's why good. 
Yeah, because if, if you have an explanation, it needs to be logically consistent, right? And if it's like, well, yes. if you're abused, well, you end up being an abuser. It's like, well, why didn't you? I mean, no, I... <laughs> I, I mean, mean self-abuser maybe, but but not, yeah. not others, right? Yeah. I, I guess I don't... I'm not really certain why I didn't really end up being a uh, being some sort of some sort of perpetual douchebag. I'm not I'm not certain why. I just that's that's definitely my theory on why he ended up that way. It's just sort of like I said, there's only been a few statements and passings from my older siblings just talking just a, just a few sentences like, oh, he kind of got it hard as a kid or whatever. Do and, they, uh, they say this about you as well? No. Holy they shit. did not. Why do you think why do you think they're defending him or explaining him but not not you? Uh, not not certain on that. Right. But it's an important question. Yeah. But they have empathy yeah. for the bully and not his victim, right? Yeah. And how's your? You got the drug brother, the sister, and the bully brother. How's the bully brother doing? Um, I guess he's fairly functional or fairly functional. Um, yeah, he definitely has a steady job, and actually, recently, uh, recently, you know, purchased his own house. Um, but uh, <laughs> quite. Or he was—he's definitely much more functional than my oldest brother. Right. Yeah, it'll show up in his dating relationship. It'll show up in his marriage. It'll show up in his parenting. I don't foresee him getting married. <laughs> oh, why's that? I don't know. He's just—he's not just a douchebag to me. He's just—he's just sort of a, a, a douchebag in general. Right. Right. Fairly unpleasant. And, and was your sister mean as well, or, or did she skip that? Uh, I mean, there's there is a few instances in which she was, you know, kind of condescending. But uh, you know, I think she's like nine years older than me, um, and she really, I really haven't, I really don't have a whole lot of shared experiences and quality time with her at all. But no one stepped up to try and control the bullying right the violence no right right and you uh, and this is not a criticism i just want to get it sort of in my head that mm -hmm. you have not talked to your family about this stuff i've essentially only complained to uh my parents that but obviously it doesn't go very far and it's just sort of shot down as negative just sort of negativity. Um, and I, I guess I also have a, uh, also have a twin brother who I, uh, talked to this about, uh, but it's, it's, you know, preaching to the choir and, Oh, cause you both uh, kind of got it from. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But no one really outside of the situation, basically our situations were fairly identical. So it just, yeah, like I said, it's kind of preaching to the choir. It's just, you were there. I was there. Right. You kind of already know. You don't really have an outside perspective. 
right? So how does the victim end up with self-hatred? I, I don't really know. It's, I guess it's my theory. It's just sort of a learned, a learned behavior. It's just sort of accepted as, as true. Yeah. But why, 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 why is that the reaction? It's not a universal reaction, which again, does mm-hmm. not mean you did anything wrong. Right. But, but some victims say, wow, you know, I, I really was a victim. That was, that was terrible. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have sympathy for themselves as children. And that's not happened with you as much as I think would be fair based upon what you've told me. Yeah, for sure. So the question is where. Okay. So, so when we say, why is this thing within us? The first thing we need to ask ourselves is who does it serve? It doesn't serve you. To hate no. yourself for being a victim, right? Quite the opposite, no. right? So if it doesn't serve you, it's got to be serving someone. It's, we're not random, right? Yeah. Right? So, you know, uh, if, you, if you discover a listening device in your car, which you didn't put there, it's been put there by someone for some purpose, right? It's serving someone's needs, just not yours, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the question. Your self-hatred. Whose needs does it serve? I suspect it's serving my my brother's, my older brother's needs. Right. How does it serve his needs? How does he benefit from you hating yourself? Uh, I imagine he probably is fairly insecure himself and uh, I don't know it's I think maybe it has something to do with that it's some sort of way to make uh, or make yourself not feel as bad as to drag other people down What That's was the my language, theory. Yeah, what was the language that he used with regards to you to justify the bullying? I suppose that a lot of it was a lot of basic name calling. Um, okay, what names? <laughs> I don't know, I guess, you know, stupid or scrawny or. Uh, let me think of, let me think of a a few other ones. (laughs) I don't know. I'm, I'm sure fag was thrown in there a couple of, or thrown in there, thrown around a couple of times. Um, I don't know. They, they really seemed a lot like general insults. Nothing super specific you know, <laughs> retard, stuff like that. No, okay, and, and I'm, again, I'm sorry for all of that, but none of that leads to abuse, right? So let's say that you were just not smart, right? Mm-hmm. Ca- calling you stupid 
wouldn't really be that effective, if that makes sense. You know, like, I mean, maybe, it, like, you know, maybe it would be. Maybe it's like Otto from, from A Fish Called Wanda. Don't call me stupid, right? But, mm-hmm. but if, but no, Otto thought he was smart, right? That's the problem, right? So if somebody calls me bald, it's like, yeah, well, it's, yeah, good. Congratulations on having vision, right? I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's fine, right? But yeah. if you were, if you can imagine, if you had a sibling who, for whatever reason, had had some sort of developmental delay or, or what used to be called mental retardation and so on, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't be, I mean, it would be sometimes tough, I'm sure, but there's no reason fundamentally why you wouldn't be, you know, patient and, and helpful and, you know, the fact that that person would be cognitively delayed uh-huh. would not lead you to be abusive, right? In the same way that if you were gay, I mean, it's a rude word that he used, but if you, <laughs> if you were gay, calling you gay would, you know, I mean, having a gay brother wouldn't make you abuse that person. Did you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you're getting at. Okay, so, but, uh, so if, I... you were, if you were stupid, then he, well, we wouldn't probably be having this conversation, but if you were stupid, there's no reason <laughs> why he would, yeah, there's no reason why he would be abusive towards you because of that, right? Well, uh, I don't know. I I feel like a lot of it just has to do with sort of tearing other people down. Like I said, I'm not certain if he, you know, got bullied heavily. Um, cause I, again, I don't really know. I feel like I don't know him. Well, I definitely don't know him personally. I just know him as some asshole in my life. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just sort of, a. And when someone's insecure, they project something like now, that. But you see, know. again, you're, you're creating these structures as if they're causal. <laughs> no, seriously. There are lots of insecure uh, people in the world who aren't bullies. Yeah, for sure. So insecurity is, it's not like a domino, like you're, yeah. there, there's a free will element in it, right? Yeah, no, no, will. I, I 100% agree. I'm, I'm just trying to throw out some theories. Well, they're not good theories, right? <laughs> no, they're, they're not, right? Yeah. I understand why you have them. Yeah. But they're not good theories. Because when you say someone's an asshole, then giving them causality for being that way takes away that judgment. Now, I think that you're missing who the self-hatred serves. So you say you have a twin, right? I'm going to go with a cliche and say you guys are kind of aligned, right? Yeah. Okay. So the two of you take on the bully brother. What happens? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened in that situation. Sure you do. What do you think, Steph? You you take him down. No, listen. Let let me be really ape like here, right? Really ape like here, right? So a friend of mine had a grandmother who used to hit him with a tea tray, like one of those you bring tea, a little plastic thin sort of sorry thin metal tea tray, right? Mm-hmm. Now when he got bigger. He would 
ran away from her and she was old so she couldn't catch him, right? So what did she do? Well, she waited till he was sitting watching TV. She came up beside him. She hit him with the tea tray. Mm-hmm. She said, you got to stop moving sometime. I don't have to. I, I, I can wait till you fall asleep. Yeah. Right? So if you and your brother had decided to beat up. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I know you, it, it sounds funny, but, but if yeah. you and your brother had decided to beat up the bully brother, you sure as hell could have done it from about the age of six onwards, even if he's uh, 16. No, seriously. He you, was... come up, you come up with a two by four. I'm not kidding, right? No, like I've, I'm, I'm, oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying physically, please yeah. understand everybody. Yeah. I'm not recommending this behavior. I, yeah, no, no. Right? I, I, but, I get but what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You understand, right? You could put oil in his shower floor, like the, the bottom of his, his shower, right? Yeah. You could say, oh, do you want a cup of tea or coffee or whatever? And you could bring it like crazy hot. And you could, oops, I like, you know, spill it on him and run, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you say, oh, well, he'll get you later or whatever. But what I'm saying is that it's physically possible. Again, it's not recommended, but it's physically yeah, possible, right? Probably not a great move. Yeah, but it's physically possible, right? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and h- how much older is he? Uh, uh, three years. And um, I guess another um, important thing, now that you're, or that, since you've mentioned that, the whole, you know, being able to, you know, team up and get revenge, uh, he definitely uh, got into bodybuilding and weightlifting when he was fairly, fairly young. He was probably always, uh, throughout my childhood, probably always, uh, um, you know, a good four. Well, I guess at certain points he's probably you know a good six inches or no, uh, no, four I get that. I get that. Taller. So as as a smaller kid, yeah, you, you'd much put smaller. you'd put wasabi in his toothpaste or something, right? <laughs> no, listen I, again. None of this is recommended, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, but I, but I'm just I'm I'm pointing out that if you had hated him to the point where you were willing to act against him in a way that was not dissimilar to how he was acting towards you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm just going to loosen the cogs on his bike wheels. Mysterious bad things that aren't traceable to me just happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you had done that, which would be an understandable reaction to being bullied and abused, right? What would have happened to your family if you'd gone to war? If you'd gone to the mattresses about this, you and your brother, your your, your twin brother? We would have faced repercussions from the parents. You would have been punished? Yeah, probably. Right. So, you internalizing your self-hatred prevented your parents from having to do what? <laughs> prevented them from having to see the reality of the situation. Nope. They saw that. Nope. It prevented them from getting uncomfortable. It prevented them from getting uncomfortable. It prevented people from seeing problems within the family. And it prevented them from having to take a fucking stand. Yeah. Or it helped them avoid having to take a stand, right? Because, listen, if you're doing stuff that is dangerous to your brother, your bully brother, because he's doing stuff that's dangerous to you. The parents then finally have to get off their asses and do something about it, right? 
as long as you're just taking it, mm-hmm. right? Everything can go on, right? If you didn't internalize the self-hatred and you fought back, your parents would have had to stop it. Because if sibling conflicts are escalated to the point where serious injury is possible, mm-hmm. well, they may not want to do it for moral reasons, but they sure as hell will want to do it because they don't want to pay for getting bones set and they don't want yeah. you know, the, the, to be, it to be the house of, of people falling downstairs mysteriously and shit like that, right? Uh-huh. So then they would have to act, right? Mm. But they didn't want to. They no. didn't want to act, right? So you no. internalizing your self-hatred prevented your, well, allowed your parents to not deal with the bullying. That's who it serves. But uh, that's definitely not a point I have considered. And that sounds pretty solid to me. Listen, if this was just some kid, I don't know if you ever went to summer camp. I went to summer camp, right? Camp Bolton. And yeah. if, if this was just some kid and it was like last day of camp, you're never seeing him again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you might hurt him. <laughs> you might, uh, right? Because yeah. the negative repercussions, you make it look like an accident. I'm not saying, you know, break his bones or anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. Nothing like that, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you might swing a hockey stick a little, oops, you know, <laughs> whatever, right? Make it look like an accident. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff, right? Because because then, then you're in a situation, there's no repercussions, you're moving on, probably never, never going to see that kid again, right? That's the beginning of the uh-huh. movie where the kid shows up in your school the next day or whatever, right? But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> so 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 kids, smaller, younger kids and so on, they do have the capacity to fight back. They're a little bit more sneaky about it and so on, which is perfectly valid Machiavellian according to the size differential, strength differential and so on, right? Mm-hmm. But... If your parents had had to act to try and stop the bullying, what would they have done? Well, I think if the, I mean, I really think if the situation ever come up, like if I, uh, if I were to, or, um, I don't know, you know, get revenge. I, uh, what I believe what would happen is that, uh, I would definitely get a, I would definitely be the bad guy in the situation. Well, I mean, assuming assuming you could be caught. Yeah. Right? And you're smart enough that right, you could have done something that, that wouldn't have been caught or catchable, right? Yeah. But if, if things were escalating to the point where your parents had to stop the bullying, right? Mm-hmm. Then they would have to focus on your bully brother, not on you and your brother, like your, 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 your twin, right? Yeah, because if if you being bullied makes you escalate against your bully brother, the parents, in order to stop that, there's no point punishing you because then you'll just fall in line. Like just you'll escalate, right? Uh, Now, again, I think what you did was entirely the right thing. So I'm not suggesting this as a course of action. I'm just looking at the sort of practical consequences of these choices, right? Mm -hmm. So they would have had to try and find some way to stop 
your bully brother from bullying you, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know if they would have punished him. I don't know if they would have, have beaten him. I don't know if they would have sent him to boarding school or, or military school or reform school. I don't know. I don't know, right? But they would have done it badly, I'm sure. <laughs> I think that's fairly safe to say, right? Yeah, it's probably a pretty safe bet. Right. And, of course, the, the danger is, of course, if they punish if he bullies you, you fight back, they punish him, he escalates against you, you escalate against him. I mean, this that, that could really blow up pretty quickly, right? And and it, serious injuries no, it, can result in that. Yeah, that would that. probably end up pretty badly. Right. Right. Now, so, so here's the thing. You internalized it so that you wouldn't fight back because that would have escalated things to a truly dangerous level. And I could foresee losing a physical confrontation with my brother. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, you know, one punch can blind someone. One punch can, you know, give you permanent jaw and, and teeth damage. One punch can, you know, break a nose. The nose can go up yeah. into your brain. Like it, it's, you know, as I said on a million times on this show, like the violence thing, like once you uncork that genie, man, it, it goes all over the place, right? Yeah, and I was pretty aware of the... Uh, the difference in physicality between the two of us right? pretty much since I was in elementary school. All right. So, you know, so here's yeah. what you need to understand about the self-hatred, my friend. The self-hatred was your friend and kept you alive. <sighs> it was a survival strategy as sure and certain as an armadillo rolling into a ball or a possum playing dead. It was a useful, helpful, and I would argue essential survival strategy. If I internalize the self-hatred, I survive. I'll give you an analogy. The zebra who doesn't internalize the lion gets eaten. You understand what I mean by that? Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And that's you it's internalize that because survival mechanism. Yeah. Listen, the, the zebra who says, hey, I'm sure that lion's just coming to play, gets eaten. Right? Yeah. The zebra has to internalize the lion's desire to kill and eat the zebra, mm -hmm. right? which is why it flees for its life. So your brother hated you. Well, he didn't hate you. He hated himself or you know, whatever bullshit was going on in his psyche. I don't really care to analyze. But, yeah. but you experienced hatred from your bully brother, and the, you had two choices. You couldn't run away. You couldn't get away. You had two choices. You either fight back, which escalates to the point of real danger, yeah, or you internalize and you get through intact. Mm -hmm. Your self-hatred was your survival mechanism. It was there to help you. It's not there to hurt you. It's there to save you. It's your friend. It's mm -hmm. your protector. <laughs> I know it's weird, right? Yeah. It's a, a weird thought. A you look at friend, it like but a, a necessity. You look at it like an enemy, right? Yeah. But if you if sort of map out the consequences here, if you didn't have that self-hatred, you might not be here. Or you might be here missing an eye. Or you might be here with some permanent disability, disability yeah. or, or chronic pain or a wrenched back or a popped knee or God knows what, right? Mm -hmm. He's there. You know, like that asshole sergeant major who screams at all the troops but keeps them alive? Yeah. <laughs> He's there. He was there. He was like a, a woeful, necessary sentry uh 
to keep you alive. And listen, he doesn't want to do it anymore, I guarantee you that. But while you're still in danger, he can't lay down his arms. And if you think he's an enemy, he can't lay down his arms. I thank the aspects of myself that suppressed myself for many years. It's not easy, because they uh -huh. annoy me sometimes. But if it's any consolation, I annoy them sometimes too. <laughs> my inner mother led me to my wife, because I wanted the opposite, right? Uh -huh. And not like a crazy opposite, like swing to the other pendulum, right? I mean, anything yeah. like that. But I like the true opposite, which is good versus evil, right? Yeah. So the self-hatred that you experience is essential for your survival, was essential for your survival. And if you hadn't experienced it, you probably wouldn't be here. Certainly not in your current form. Yeah. I would have not have won that fight. No. That physical fight. Well, then it would have been more than one, right? I mean, depending how crazy your bully brother is, and he sounds pretty damn crazy. He's I mean, kind of prone to violence, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, you, you don't know what the hell what the hell he's capable of, right? But you, you, but here's the thing. You never want to find out. Yeah, I don't. Right? Maybe the lion is coming to play, but who <laughs> wants to find out, right? Yeah. So if you have a more friendly relationship, you know, it's a kind of, you know, that, that phrase, thank you for your service that people use about, about veterans, like thank you for yeah. your service. As far as the, quote, negative parts of ourselves that kept us alive. You know, that I think it's reasonable to say thank you for your service. I'm sorry mm -hmm. we had to do that. I'm sorry that we were in a situation where we were so unprotected that we had to internalize this just to survive. Yeah. Steph, you still there? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it. Uh, that definitely makes sense. It's uh, like I said earlier. <laughs> would you say? Would you? you, you sorry to interrupt. If you could go back in time to yourself, to little right, <laughs> would you say? Would you tell him to fight back physically? No, that no. would. Be a, a very, very much a losing battle. Right. So what you have to do is you have to internalize the abuse in order to avoid provoking um, escalation. Mm -hmm. So if internalizing the self-hatred is the advice you'd give to little, then you can't at the same time claim that it's an enemy of yours. It's unpleasant, <laughs> don't get me wrong, and it's difficult. Oh, yeah. I understand that. I understand that. But if you have the perspective that it's an enemy, as opposed to this was a regretful, necessary, life-saving reality, a necessity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh, if you're thirsty enough, I remember working with a guy up north, he drank from moose tracks, for God's sakes. That's pretty hardcore. That's, that's well, you know, and it was not a wise decision at all. No, right? I can't imagine it would be. It's like, this is not a willpower thing. This is like a bacteria thing, man. This is, <laughs> like, this is not, this is not a bear grills. Like, will I eat the liver of a, of a saber-toothed tiger? This is like, uh, 
but but you know he was that thirsty right and uh, you mm-hmm. know we, we could all be there at some point in our life right if that thirsty you'll drink from moose tracks right mm-hmm. and this is what you had to do to survive yeah but don't take it personally for god's sakes the zebra can't reasonably think that lion hates me Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, definitely got to say, thanks, self-hatred. But, I know uh, it's a weird Colonel thing, Colonel Asshole right? is out of range, and and he got you through. He got you through, more. and he got you through. Got got the guy out of your life, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have much contact with with druggy brother. You don't have much contact with bully brother, and yeah. you know he he got you through, man. He carried you. I did live. I did live. You did live. You're physically intact. You're, you know, don't get me wrong. It's a hell of a burden. And I I wish to God that you had not had to go through that at all. Like I I wished, but, but, but you did everything right. You understand the self-hatred is an act of Mm self-love because it keeps you safe. It allows you to enter adulthood with psychological scars, which are inevitable, but without physical scars or, or disabilities. Mm-hmm. Or de- it allows you to enter adulthood at all, right? Yeah. Maybe. So we're definitely a kind of a foreign way of looking at it, but it, uh, I mean, it makes, it makes sense because, yeah, it was not a fight I would ever win. No. And it's not a fight <laughs> I mean, you may, wanted may, to see how far it would go. May, maybe now, but... Uh, you know, that's not yeah, but, but now, now you lose still because you go to yeah. jail, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't punch someone who, in their 20s what they do yeah, in your no, teens. No, it's no. a shame, don't get yeah. me wrong, but you know, I, I respect the statute of limitations for that. <laughs> yeah, it's not self defense if it's 10 years later, but yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I this the, the, the false stealth stuff and and the conformity stuff the anxiety stuff and in particular the self-hatred stuff that's what i was really sort of thinking and planning with regards to this conversation i don't want to sound like non-spontaneous because yeah but that's sort of the major chunks that i wanted to 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 get across and Mm -hmm. you know it's been like a couple hours and i i just wanted to know where you are in terms of what i'm saying because you were very passionate at the beginning now you're kind of analytical and i I want to know how it's landed for you uh well it's definitely it definitely makes more sense uh, rather than just, I mean, again, I, I definitely plan on talking to a, a lot of my relatives and just, I don't know, getting a few more facts, but uh, it, uh, the whole self-hatred being a, some sort of a survival mechanism in order to get me through that, you know, it was useful and all that, but uh, not needed now, but you know, still not all that terrible. That, that, uh, that's definitely a new perspective because I mean, all I've really ever thought of it is, you know, you know, I hate, you know, I hate myself and I, I hate that I hate myself. Right, right, right. But I, so, I yeah. think that's, I think if, if it's the advice you'd give to yourself as a kid, it can't be, it can't be bad. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a bad experience, don't get yeah. me wrong, but, you know, it's like, it's like the kid who grows up in, in some civil war. Yeah, you know, like he's used to ducking when there's a loud noise because there's snipers everywhere, right? And uh, and you know, if a car backfires and as an adult he throws himself to the ground, and people say, "Well, what are you, some kind of freak?" It's like, no, yeah, that's, that's what but, I, that's why I'm here. Yeah, but better to hate yourself than to get pulverized and physically disabled. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, you can make friends with that, and it it can be a strong guard for you in the future, a strong guard against 
dangerous people because that guy, that inner, like that inner guy, that guard, man, he knows evil. He knows abuse. He knows that intimately. And if you get him on your side, which is, you know, thank you for your service, man, he'll uh -huh. guard you till the day you die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely, I don't know if this is particularly related to, you know, douchebag brother, but I, I feel as though I've, I've definitely come out of uh, adolescence and childhood with like a, a pretty strong, uh, not, I guess not compass, but a pretty strong, uh, uh, preference for good people. Yeah, and internalized self-hatred is way better than guilt. Yeah. Right? And, you, you know, the, you've no guilt for being the victim. Yeah. And, you know, you see, you know, you probably play, so you see how it plays out with your druggy brother. You'll see how it plays out with your bully brother. But you have, you have no guilt. You have no reason for shame. And self-hatred self as a protective measure can be managed and ameliorated with. But, you know, you, you, it is far better to suffer wrong than do harm. Yeah, particularly I, to children. So, um, yeah. you know, you got through it just right, and you should be incredibly proud of how you handled it all. Thank you. All right. Will you will you keep me posted about how things are going? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Is there and, anything else um, you wanted to mention right now? I feel like I'm like yanking the rug out of people at the end of these calls. I just <laughs> want to make sure I didn't leave you anything like vastly unsaid that you wanted to get across. No, we definitely covered a lot, but uh, I definitely want to say uh, <laughs> if. Uh, for the people watching this video, if you got through, that's uh, damn. We've we've. I guess we're just short of two hours, and uh, uh, yeah, that uh, that first reading that first email that was that was fucking hard. Um, yes, it was, and you you should be proud of it. All right, yeah, yeah, no, great job, man, great job. I really really yeah. appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of great feedback from it. And again, you know, stay in touch, man. Let, let me know how yeah. it goes, but but really great job. I'm I'm incredibly proud of you if that. Can, if I can say that without sounding yeah, and like, I, I, to say, I just want to just want to say one one more thing for you close out. Yeah, uh, uh, I guess yeah. Again, to the viewers, if uh, definitely uh, definitely don't hold back any uh, comments that are going on in your or any comments don't don't hold back any thoughts that are floating around in your head. Uh, definitely don't um, feel as though you're gonna hurt my feelings. I uh, I hate I hate self censorship. <laughs> so uh, fire away. Yeah. And look at no, you, uh, all comfortable in the depths where you belong. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, you too, Steph. Bye. Bye.